Chapter 19, A Guided Missile Amy held the black polished stone up to the sunlight coming in at the window. I like the way you can see the light through these, she commented. What did you say they were called, Grandpa? Obsidian, Mark answered before Grandpa could reply. No, I don't mean the rock they came from, Amy said. I mean when they were all polished like this so you could use them for jewelry. They're called Apache Tears, Grandpa said. The children's weekend with their grandparents was almost over. Soon their parents would arrive to take them home. They were waiting out in the shop, which had been closed today. While she waited, Amy had been picking through the bowls of items that Grandpa kept to sell to children who came in with money to spend. Three bowls held seashells and starfish and sand dollars that Grandpa had picked up on trips to California. A number of bowls, including the one Amy was looking through, contained interesting rocks from the Arizona desert. There were even some Indian arrowheads in one bowl. Mark joined Amy at the counter with the bowls and began examining the arrowheads. Weapons sure have changed a lot, Mark said. Those arrowheads would have been used for hunting mostly, Grandpa replied. But bows and arrows were used for war too. In the old days, lots of soldiers used bows and arrows, Mark said. I think it'd be hard to fight with those. First, you'd have to carry a whole bunch of arrows, because once you shot one, it'd be gone. Then, when you saw the enemy, you'd have to stop and get an arrow out and get it all set up to shoot. And if you were a really good shot, if the guy had armor on or if the city had a wall around it, your arrow would just bounce right off. How many arrows would, ha would you have to shoot to even get one hit? Compare that with weapons we have nowadays, like guided missiles, for instance. Unless the arrow's a guided arrow, then it gets the job done, Grandpa said. I feel a story coming on, said Amy. Yep, said Grandpa, getting the yellow box and coming over by Mark and Amy. Mark walked right into this one. This one's about a real battle. It was a battle between kings like so many battles are. But from the point of view of our war, it was a battle between God and one king who tried to ignore God's word. All through the Old Testament, the Israelites kept wanting to worship idols, like the nations around them. God kept calling them back to worship him alone. God said that one day they could tell that he was the true God was this. Whatever God said would happen always happened. The prophets of the false gods couldn't make that claim. They could make all the predictions they wanted, but they were just guessing. Oh, every now and then they'd get lucky and a prediction would come true. But most of the time, they'd turn out to be wrong. Not so with God. Whatever he said would happen always happened. Always. Why is that anyway? Grandpa asked, turning to Amy. Because God can see the future. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. Amy answered, Well, that's true, but there's more to it than that. Grandpa said, Mark, any ideas? Mark shook his head. I would have said the same thing, he replied. God knows what's going to happen in the future because he knows everything. It isn't just how he knows what will happen, Grandpa corrected. He knows it will happen because he's the one who's going to make it happen. 
God is more than just the commander of one army or the leader of one nation. God's the king of the whole world and the ruler of all history. He makes his plans. Sometimes he tells people what they are, and then he carries them out, just like he said. If ever someone would could keep something from happening after God had said it was going to happen, then that someone would be stronger than God, wouldn't he? The children nodded. In this story, King Ahab, you remember him, don't you? Grandpa asked. The king with the evil wife, Mark said, who wanted the Israelites to worship Baal instead of God, Amy added. Right, said Grandpa. Well, in this story, King Ahab wanted to go to battle with the king of Armon or Syria. It was about a, it was about a city that Syria had taken from Israel. Ahab wanted it back. Ahab asked Jehoshaphat, the king down in the southern kingdom of Judah, to help him. Jehoshaphat said he would, but he added, First, we really should find out what God says about whether or not we'll win. So Ahab summoned 400 prophets. Should we go down to fight? He asked them. These prophets sounded like so many cheerleaders. Oh, sure, go, no problem, you'll win. God will be on your side and he'll give you victory. King Jehoshaphat knew that Ahab had a tendency to worship false gods and to listen to false prophets. Jehoshaphat didn't trust this prophecy, even though it sounded encouraging. Isn't there a prophet of the Lord that we can ask? He said. Well, there's a prophet named Micaiah, Ahab answered. But I hate him. He never prophesies anything good about me, only bad things. Let's call him, Jehoshaphat said. A servant went to get Micaiah. As they were going to where the two kings waited, the servant urged Micaiah to say the same things, same kinds of things that all the other prophets had said. I'll say what the Lord tells me to say, was Micaiah's answer. So King Ahab asked Micaiah to tell him the truth about what would happen. And Micaiah did. He prophesied that if the Israelites went to battle with the king of Syria, Ahab would never come back alive. King Ahab may have been frightened, but if he was, he wasn't going to let anyone know it. He had Micaiah put in prison and ordered that he be given a diet of bread and water only. Keep him there until I'm safely home, Ahab ordered. It was his way of telling everyone, and maybe himself, I'm not scared of God's prophecies. I don't believe they'll come true. I'm coming back no matter what God says. So the two kings ignored the word of the Lord from Micaiah and went to battle. Now, Mark, what does a commander always try to do about the other commander before a battle begins? Mark cocked his head and raised his eyebrows questionably. Well, he tries to find out his plans, Mark replied. Is that what you mean? That's exactly what I mean. And somehow King Ahab was able to do that, Grandpa said. Or maybe he just guessed. But anyhow, the king of Armon told his captains, Don't worry about anyone else. Just go after the king of Israel. I want him dead. And Ahab knew that was the plan. So he made his own plans. He planned to disguise himself like a common soldier. 
A well-armored soldier, of course, but he wasn't going to take any chances. After that prophesi prophecy of Micaiah's, if he looked like an ordinary soldier covered in armor, no one would recognize him as king. And to get the enemies even more off track, he told Jehoshaphat to be sure to wear all his royal clothing into the battle. That way, the enemies would go after Jehoshaphat instead of Ahab. Oh, that's real nice, said Amy, with a friend like Ahab. Who needs enemies, finished Grandpa. As you can see, Ahab was doing all he could to make sure Micaiah's prophecy didn't come true. He was out to prove that he was in control of things, not God in his word. Grandpa opened his box and pulled out a little man, solidly covered in armor, which he set on top of the box. But then, in the middle of the battle, a certain man drew his bow. We don't know who this man was or anything about him, but God had chosen this man and his arrow. The Bible says that the man just drew his bow at random. He wasn't even aiming at anything in particular. And the arrow that he shot just happened to fly across the battlefield and through one tiny chink in Ahab's armor. Take me out of the battle! I'm wounded! Ahab cried to his chariot driver. So the chariot driver drove off to the side, out of the way of the fighting. The Israelites propped the king up in his chariot while the battle went on all day. As evening fell, King Ahab died, just as God had said. Grandpa removed the little armed figure and replaced it with a little arrow. Who moved that archer to use his bow just when he did? Grandpa asked. And who guided that arrow to just that one weak spot in the armor? What God says in his word always happens because he's the one who makes it happen. Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure.